Welcome to the Soul's Way podcast. This is your host, Emily Ann Brandt. I am a proud First Nations Mohawk author, speaker, and mentor here to meet you at the intersection of personal development and decolonization. I truly believe that when we see ourselves and one another, mind, body, emotion, and most of all, soul and spirit, we can break through systematic, ancestral, and generational ways of being that we came here to disrupt and rise above. We can lean into the ways that heal our spirits. I know we can do this through honest conversations, radical responsibility, and healing together in community. Through my stories and the incredible conversations with some truly amazing guests, my hope is that you leave each episode with a more open heart and that you feel emboldened in your medicine and your voice, knowing your ripple effect matters. Our ripple effect matters. Thank you for being here. Let's dive in. Well, hello. Hi. Okay, can we just talk about this new introduction? (laughs) This is a brand new podcast intro, new music, new intro. It's just the old one hasn't felt aligned for quite some time now, but I just haven't had the time to sit down and, and craft a new one that I really love and until today. So celebrating that and the evolution and growth as always. There is part of me that is like, oh, probably you're going to like not resonate with this one in a few months or a couple years or whatever, because that is that is just what happens when you are on a journey, when you're on a growth journey, when you sign up for a lifetime of growth and evolution, um, which I definitely am here for. And I know you're here for too, if you're listening to a podcast like this, whether you're new here or you're regular here, by the way, hey, thanks for being here. Um, but yeah, that's what you sign up for when you when you commit to a lifetime of growth and evolution is there's going to be things, especially when you are doing this in public. It's a unique experience. I've talked about it many times. Um, when you're doing it in public, like if you have a business, you have an Instagram page or anything like that, a podcast, there's going to be things you post, you publish, you put out there in the world that you no longer resonate with even like a month later. And that's just how, that's just the reality of growing. And what I love about you, my listeners, is that you've always been so willing to grow with me and you always just take take what resonates and leave what doesn't. But um, yeah, no shame in my growth and evolution game. I guess there was some shame, but I believe when we talk about things and we bring them to the light, that is like, that's the antidote to shame, right? And courage, courage is... A choice and it's also the antidote to shame. So anyway, I believe I have done entire episodes on this already. I could do another entire episode on it. I could talk about it all day long, but that's not really what I came here to talk about. I really wanted to, well, it kind of is. I wanted to talk about, to fill you in on the inner journey that I've been on, the inner healing, this new like stepping into this medicine. I haven't even, it's so interesting because I'm so clearly showing up in this like super clear new niche of like helping white female coaches decolonize their business and do better and create safer spaces for us indigenous women and also black and brown women, women of color, women of the global majority, femme of the global majority, right? It's such a clear like pivot and I'm also still doing empowerment, success, manifestation, coaching, self-love coaching for those of you who are in the global majority, that's the other coin, uh, that's the other side of the coin in my work. 
and um, yet I haven't even felt the need to sit down and record a podcast and be like, I'm changing my niche, everybody, and this is why. And like, I haven't felt that need to justify it. I've just started doing it. And that's been a really cool distinction for me this time is like, because you know, you know, if you've been here, especially if you've been here since day one of this podcast, the podcast has changed so many times. Who I help specifically has changed so many times. And I know you relate to this if you're multi-passionate or if you just... You can help a lot of people. You have a big heart or you're multi-talented. Like we pivot, we change, it happens. But every other time in the past where I have kind of like shifted my niche, so to speak, or kind of changed directions, I've I've felt the need to like come on the podcast and do a bunch of posts and like justify the pivot. Whereas this time I'm I just did it and I'm just doing it and I don't and, and it's working, <laughs> like people are signing up for the things and sharing my message like crazy. Oh my goodness, thank you all so much. Like the videos that I share around decolonizing your coaching business and the stories I share and the information I share, it's just, it's it's selling itself, so to speak. And you all are sharing it for me. It's been incredibly um, awesome to see the ripple effect of what happens when you just follow your intuition, you don't question it and you don't even stop to explain it, which is what I did many times in my past. So most of you know the story of how I was kind of disconnected from my own intuition, from my own voice. Um, When I wrote the book Whole Damn Fire, which came out last October, which is wild, it was like already over a year ago, Um, That book was kind of the first thing that I was so determined to do on my own once I got out of this very toxic mentoring situation. I was working under this very toxic, harmful, like spiritual bypassing to the max, next level um, mentor. And they made me constantly doubt myself, constantly doubt my voice that when I got out of the situation, I was just so eager to like get my book out there and prove that like I can do something without them and and also get my own voice out there. But truthfully, when I read the book back, I'm like, I cringe and I'm embarrassed by how much of it is still that person's voice and the voice of all the really like bypassy, white supremacy, white supremacist, like colonial, capitalistic kind of the industry that I was indoctrinated into, this whole society that I was indoctrinated into, that we all were, that truly upholds, like, upholds white supremacy, upholds racism, upholds the suffering of my people. And as a white passing and half-white woman, I leaned hard into my whiteness in order to feel, I, I didn't do this consciously, obviously, but I did it for most of my whole life as a safety thing. And I did it to feel supported and be supported in these spaces that really don't make room for very real 3D problems, barriers we face, like the marginalization that we face, the real systemic issues, the real racism that still exists here. Yes, in 2022. Yes, in Canada as well, like clearly. And the whole industry is centered around like, just thinking positive thoughts and rising above. And I've never been about that. And I know many coaches are not just about that and they teach shadow work as well. But most coaches and mentors and myself, I was included in this, 
are not talking about this massive collective shadow work, meaning shadow work that we all have to do to heal from the toxic culture of white supremacy. And I saw, I just read about it being described as um, the trauma of white supremacy culture. And I thought that was brilliant because it absolutely is traumatic to all of us, black, brown, indigenous people of color, but also you, white people. It's, it's traumatic because white supremacy culture is all about getting you to believe that no matter how hard you work, it's never enough. No matter how much you buy, you're never pretty enough. No matter how much weight you lose, it's not good enough. Like, no matter how hard you work, you can't, you're not the best. It's this toxic individualism. And guess what? The coaching industry, business coaching, white wellness world, low life coaching world, it depends on this supremacy culture making you feel not enough. And then you buy this coaching program or this package that's going to help you feel better about yourself. But really, what does it feed you with? More of that same toxic culture. More of that competition, comparison, um, ignoring very real systemic things that we need to dismantle. And it just upholds them instead. And this harms white women as well, white people as well, not just black, brown, indigenous, and people of the global majority, right? A term to replace BIPOC or people of color because truth is, we need to stop centering whiteness and comparing people in relation to whiteness. And the truth is black, brown, indigenous, Asian, Arab, Latina, Latino, Latinx, like we make up the world's global majority. We make up 80, more than 80% of the global population. So it's time to definitely stop referring to BIPOC as minorities. Um, and, and you can use the term global majority going forward. But anyway, oh my gosh. Do you see how passionate I am about this? And it like, I'm still, it's so bizarre because I'm still, I'm so new to this work. And I know this is for all of us. It's a lifetime of unlearning things and seeing things and relearning. And it, it never ends. And a lot of people, once they realized it was more than just posting a black square uh, after George Floyd's death, um, during like the movement, if that's what we want to call it, of Black Lives Matter, once they realized, oh, this work has to go beyond like one book that I can read. This work has to go beyond reading White Fragility, which was, by the way, written by a white woman. Kind of problematic. Um, don't really recommend that book. But once they realized that, oh, the work goes beyond that, like I'm out. And what's in it for me? And but the truth is like this, this culture that colonialists have created, it's harming you just as much as, uh, not just as much as us, but it's harming you as well. And it, he, it would, you know, heal you, benefit you to heal from this and to return to indigenous ways of being, to being in right relation with the land again, to being centered in community again, and getting away from that toxic individualism, that climbing the ladder. Like I said, we get out of the corporate, so many of us as entrepreneurs, as coaches, we leave the corporate space because we see the misogyny, we see the sexism, we see the racism, we see how toxic it is to, to be climbing a corporate ladder. And then guess what? We join the coaching world and it's a it's a different, different ladder, same ladder, different industry. We see the competition and the need to hit these, you know, elusive like 
six-figure months or even the 10k month for a long time was like the big thing or the 10k client you haven't made it till you had a 10k client and I can give you the recipe to do this and you want to be like me and this all this aspirational lifestyle stuff that's not what we need and that is upholding the very colonial capitalistic patriarchal crap that you said you were running away from when you quit your job and you entered this world but now you're doing the same thing like as somebody said at my roundtable event that I hosted, like, same rats, different race. And that was a white female coach that said that. I'm like, yep. Yep. And once we see it, we can't unsee it. It's our job to heal from it. Um, but anyway, I just, like, totally started ranting, and that was not even the point of this episode. The point of this episode was to somewhat try to fill you in on the inner healing that I've been going through that you haven't seen behind the scenes because it's been, for a while, I just wanted to keep it Um, to myself it felt so tender and so sacred and needed to be held almost like a newborn baby Um, as this medicine of mine was being birthed into the world and there there's still there's so much healing that's happening sorry that's my dinner (laughs) that's my dinner beeping there is so much healing that's happening behind the scenes um, that I'm is is not feeling as you know tender it still feels very sacred and beautiful but I feel ready to share it with you And a big lesson that I've learned, I think that was my whole point with starting to rant about like the toxic mentor I had and not trusting myself anymore and like being afraid of growing and evolving with with an audience. Um, I really learned huge lessons there as I've talked about many times on this podcast, but like the gift that it gave me was I decided to like really take a step back and just let my spiritual journey be just for me which my getting a job really, really, really helped me with because before getting a stable nine to five job, which I have an episode talking about that too, um, and like blasting the shame out of that because that is another thing in this industry is just so much shame around not being all in in your business if you don't quit your job. But I actually found a job working in indigenous empowerment. Like I work in indigenous research. Um, I get to work with social media and it's so much fun and it's so freaking aligned and I absolutely love it. It's they're so good to me. It's so flexible. It's so nice having a solid paycheck. And I'm not in a place where my business depends on, or my income, my livelihood depends on my like spiritual downloads and breakthroughs. And there was so much pressure attached to it that I felt I had to share everything because that was my business and that was my livelihood. And it was this unhealthy attachment and growing so much and sharing so much of what was so sacred and precious and like not fully formed yet was so harmful um and I did so so the gift that came out of it was there was a huge lesson and I learned to like take a step back and know when things are just for me and when they're ready to be shared and so I think that's also why I haven't felt the need to come in and like fill you all in on every single like cool shamanic healing session that I've done and cool journeying that I've done to meet with spirit guides and ancestors and um all, all the inner healing but I am ready and I'm really excited about the healing that's going on so I do want to share some things with you it feels like an honor and a privilege and so I thank you for wanting to listen but the oven just beeped so I'm gonna go eat my dinner and then I'll film <laughs> I'll, I'll record the rest of this uh after. okay hello everyone I'm back <laughs> it's actually the next day I ended up eating dinner and then rushing off to my Toastmasters meeting so I didn't get to finish my recording but I'm back and I do have a little bit of a sore throat today so just bear with me if my voice sounds a little scratchy or different 
um, still determined to finish this story and to fill you in because, oh my gosh, I was just looking at the podcast playlist on like my on my phone on Spotify, and I'm like, wait, what is the latest thing I filled them in on? Like, have I even done an episode about um, any of this like new work that I'm doing other than my interview with Hannah? Um, and I haven't like on anything decolonization or uh, this new like medicine that I'm birthing. It's really, there hasn't been many podcast episodes and that's just because I've been so busy with um, with my work, my new work, which is all about decolonization and the anti-racism in healthcare. And then with, with the way my business has really like taken on a life of its own. And I did this event called The Roundtable that really did well, really took off and is still selling. It's still doing well. It's an event. You can purchase the whole replay. It's two and a half hours of, um, of me teaching a masterclass on how to decolonize your coaching business, like specific examples of stories in ways that I have felt totally gaslit and unseen and unsafe and examples of like tangible tips and steps you can take to make us in those of us in the global majority feel welcome and feel actually supported in your space and actively do your part in decolonizing instead of because if you're not decolonizing actively then you're actively upholding white supremacy and colonialism and so it's really hands-on it's really tangible takeaways a lot of people are digesting it in bits because there's just so much in there and it's only 88 dollars for lifetime access to the replay (laughs) like it's such a no-brainer and it's the best investment you'll ever make in your business, especially at a time where people really are waking up to this stuff. And I do believe if we don't heal this, like this nonsense, it becoming all about capitalism and feeding into the very culture that we were trying to initially get away from, the industry is going to collapse. And I actually hope it collapses if it doesn't, if it's not going to be centered in anti-racism, in true equity, in true decolonization and reconciliation and truth telling like I hope it collapses because I don't want to see another system just upholding um you know the patriarchy and and white supremacy so anyway I digress go purchase the round table it's an amazing place to start people always ask me like specifically how is my coaching practice you know because I don't want I'm, I'm not racist I don't want to be racist and I don't want to exclude anybody but I don't know what to say or like I don't know what I'm doing or not doing and that's the thing you don't know what you don't know so that's why the round table was created and that's why it's such an accessible price because no matter if you're a brand new coach like no matter where you are in your business you can invest $88 um, and if you can't just send me a message and we'll work something out because I really believe in accessibility and um you know, decolonizing my pricing structures as well, which we also talk about in the masterclass. And then there's a half hour bonus Q&A. There's a panel where you get to hear from other global majority coaches or people in this industry um, and their perspectives. And it's just so, so, so good. Not only is it getting like rave reviews from all of the white coaches who attended who said how eye-opening it was, but like what really matters to me is how much... um, people of the global majority are praising it and appreciating it and saying, oh my gosh, yes, thank you. I feel seen and heard. I finally, like somebody's giving this life, giving voice to this. Yes, 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 yes. Like those messages, those testimonies are what mean the most to me because um, 
it's just like validation and proof and reminder that yes like this we it's not just me you know because when you are an indigenous person or a person in the global majority there's so much of that messaging that's like we're all one just you know just tap into your your inner oneness tap into your light tap into your power as a creator and it completely ignores and bypasses the very real issues and pain of racism and colonization and having to assimilate and having real real actual barriers real and now that I work in research like the statistics I see on indigenous poverty and food security and homelessness it's like you can't unsee that stuff once you really see it and really look at it um so it but it can get in your head when you constantly hear in this industry like no it's all up to you it's this toxic individualism it's all up to you you have the power you have the choice you have you know mindset you have your own beliefs those are all up to you this is stuff i used to say all the time so i just did a video saying like you know the first step is everyone acknowledging the roles that they played in this and i fully acknowledge and i fully cringe at so much of the bypassing gaslighting stuff that i used to teach i was a part of that narrative um, but anyway, what I was saying is you, I can start to doubt myself like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe it's not really that big of a deal. Maybe I am making it too big of a deal, like the racism and the, how it affects your self-worth and even like the identity complex of being mixed ancestry, which is what I want to talk about in this episode. Like maybe I am just being overdramatic about it. You start to gaslight yourself and oppress yourself and suppress these issues because this industry is just so full of that like bright siding and gaslighting and spiritual bypassing so um i'm seriously committed to actively dismantling that in my own in my own practice in my own business and helping other people do the same um because it's so so very harmful so let's come back to how this work came to be how the round table came to be how what made me want to start showing up in this and recognizing this <clears throat> this medicine that I carry that is so I think potent and powerful where I can walk both sides as a mixed ancestry half white half indigenous woman and a white passing woman um it's I, something I used to see as a curse and now I see it as such potent medicine because I can see both sides I understand the white shame and the white guilt and wanting to help but not knowing like not seeing how and now I do see how I do see the power I hold I see the privilege I hold I do see all the ways in which I used to add to the problem and then on my from an indigenous perspective like when I say I'm half indigenous I really hate saying that because I really don't um, I don't think I'm half anything, right? I'm a whole person. And if you are mixed ancestry, I know that'll resonate with you deeply. But we grow up um, feeling like th these identity complexes and feeling not whole because we don't feel white enough for the white spaces, right? And we don't feel indigenous enough for the indigenous spaces or black enough or brown enough or whatever your ancestry mix is. I'm sure you have your own version of that. And, um, but when I say half indigenous, like, I still want people to understand I was born and raised in a, in a Mohawk community. Like my family lives on a First Nations reservation. Um, 
my sisters both still live there. My parents live there. I was I was there until uh, I went to college, and then I stayed in the city, as many Indigenous people have to for work or for education and just you know more opportunities. But um, I still feel I've always felt very proud to be from Tyendinaga, which is my reservation. It's, um, yeah, it's a Haudenosaunee First Nations reservation in southern Ontario. And I've always been proud to be from there. I've always been proud to call it my home. I still call it my home. I still visit there like once a month or so whenever <clears throat> whenever I can. And I did grow up with a lot of the culture and language in the school because I went to school on the reserve, but I did not have it in our home because my dad, who is the Mohawk one, um, did not grow up with it in his home, and that's because of Indian schools and residential schools and the Indian Act and colonization essentially like forbidding forbidding indigenous peoples to practice our own language cultures like literally it was outlawed to if you were caught practicing ceremony if you were caught um, like smudging or singing or drumming or doing any of those things that are so not only healthy but so vital to our spirit to our to our health, um, to, to everything, to all of life, to the land, um, to one another, to being in community, all of that was just totally stripped away. And so I also have a lot of sadness and pain that I didn't get to grow up knowing a ton about my culture. And I've been actively taking it upon myself to reconnect with it. And that can be, that can come with a lot of shame because there's a lot of lateral shaming, like, which is where, you know, people of the same um, ethnicity kind of judge each other like, oh, you're, you're, you think you're, you know, Miss Mohawk now or Miss Native now? Like, I didn't see you in ceremony. I didn't see you in the longhouse. Like, I don't remember you being there um, at the sweat lodge or whatever it is. Or like, oh, that person's a pretendian because there are what, what we call pretendians, people who have like a very 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 tiny sliver of indigenous ancestry and then they're all over like tiktok and instagram wearing feathers and beads and smudging and pretending that they're like the spokesperson for all indigenous people and sometimes they have no actual ancestry at all that is indigenous and they're just completely appropriating our culture so there's a lot and and that's happened to us over and over and over is white people taking our culture taking our practices and claiming them as their own or just like totally ripping them off and selling them. Um, you see it all the time in the white wellness community, in the spiritual community. Um, and it happens not just to indigenous people, but to Asian, South Asian cultures as well, black, um, African cultures as well. Like all of us have had this horrible theft and appropriation. So you can understand why there's that anger and pain there. But because of this lateral shaming that can even happen amongst our own people, it's extra hard to reconnect with um, the culture and not feel embarrassed that you don't know more and you don't know the protocols for ceremony and things like that. And you feel like not a good, you know, not a good native. And so that's a lot of the healing that I've been doing is reconnecting with the culture, um, relearning my language, working with elders, working with mentors, which is not easy to do. It's really not it's not easily accessible. It's one of the truth and reconciliation's calls to action is for us to have more cultural education centers and things like that, but it's those still haven't been implemented. Um, so 
yeah, it's a journey and it can be a really rewarding journey and beautiful, especially when you learn to work with your ancestors as I've been doing. And it can be full of pain at the same time. So like last week, um, I had a, a work retreat and we had a beautiful opportunity to sit with two elders and they, they aren't from my um, my community. So right, I said, I'm Mohawk, I'm Haudenosaunee. This is a group of First Nations, um, I don't want to say tribes because that's another thing is not everyone uses the word tribe. Um, we've always just called ourselves like a band or a community. So it's it's six First Nations communities that make up the Haudenosaunee or the Iroquoian Confederacy. And we kind of formed together to form this, this group. Um, so I'm from the Haudenosaunee group and I'm from the Mohawks, but the elders that my work is working with right now are, um, neither of them are Haudenosaunee, they're not Iroquois. so there are specific cultural protocols and practices, like they've, they're similar in the overall worldview, like we all view um, life as very cyclical, um, we all believe in seasons, we talk a lot about oneness and how we really are all one, not just with each other, but with creation. Um, we're all about gratitude to the land and to creator and to one another. Like they talk a lot about the power of energy and um, like really the original, <laughs> the original spiritual mentors, right? So, so much of what I've actually learned from white teachers, it was beautiful to see it coming from these, these wisdom keepers and these elders. And um, they're from, I think both of them are from um, the Western provinces like western canada um the plains and anishinaabe background but it was so just like such a profound moment of gratitude for me to have the opportunity to sit with them and soak in their wisdom that i literally bawled ugly tears (laughs) ugly cried in front of everyone on the first day of our retreat (laughs) we had an opening we had one of our elders um his name's albert he did an opening for us and then it was so beautiful he shared stories and things which i'm obviously not going to repeat here but um because that was shared with us in you know in sacred circle but uh, through his whole opening i was just sitting there like don't cry don't cry don't cry because i didn't want to detract from you know his speaking time but then we had an opportunity to go around and do a sharing circle and just say like how our day is going, how's our morning, how we're, how we're all feeling, and if we had any reflections on Albert's opening on his talk. And I introduced myself, I said, hello, um, Tansy, Gue, Sego, and then I said, I'll say Sego, because I'm Mohawk, some of them were saying Tansy, and Gue, and um, <clears throat> Ani, and I said, I'll say Sego, because I'm Mohawk, but I've, you know, I've also lost connection I'm actively trying to relearn my language and something that I will share that Albert said is that when we um, when our when his spirit crosses over when he enters the spirit world when he dies he's going to speak his native tongue he's like I don't speak it now because of colonization because it was stripped away but when I die when I go to the spirit world I know I'm going to speak my native tongue and there's going to be an honor song to honor me. And I work every day to make sure that when I cross over, I'm going to get an honor song because I lived my life in a good way. And that just touched me so deeply that as soon as I said Sago and I said, I'm also reconnecting to Mohawk and I love what you said about us speaking our native tongue again, you know, someday in the spirit world. And I just started bawling and I was like, these are not, um, 
<laughs> the emotions coming back up right now. Isaac, these are not, you know, sad tears. They kind of are because I feel the pain of being disconnected from my, my culture, my language. And at the same time, I just feel overwhelming gratitude. So it's like, these are tears of gratitude. Like it's not lost on me. What a privilege it is to get to sit here with two incredible wisdom keepers and elders and learn from them and to be at a, a job like where this is my this is my job to, and I get to be actively like I get to be paid to be immersing myself in my own culture and having such deep spiritual healing like what and I said you know I, I practice every day um, I practice that my my cultural counselor before he passed away he taught me he reminded me to sit with our Ohondo Gariwadekwa, which is our opening address that we use in Haudenosaunee and Mohawk um, cultures where you give thanks to all of life. Um, he said, start your day with that. You, you literally start your day by thanking the sun, thanking the moon, thanking the stars, thanking the greens, thanking the fruits, thanking the sustenance foods that you eat, thanking the animals, the water, the fish. You just sit with all of creation in gratitude. And I said, I do that. Most days I aim to do that and in the morning. And then I also go through other things I'm, I'm deeply feeling thankful for. And not in like a ritualistic way like I used to, um, but more in a, it's kind of a meditation. And I never force it, but it feels really good to start my day like that and just be with creation and be with the creator of my being. And I just said, like, just so you all know, like, I give thanks every single day for for this job and this opportunity. Um, I'm just amazed at, like, I didn't even know a 95 job could be like this, right? Like, the opportunity to fully be myself, to reconnect with my culture, and to be so held and supported. Such a caring environment. Like, truly, everyone there cares about each other as a whole being, not just as, what are you producing? What are you contributing? Like, we all contribute amazing. We work incredibly hard. We all have such unique talents talents that we bring together in such a beautiful way. But um, And there's tough moments and there's stressful moments for sure. But truly everyone cares about everyone on a human level. And it's something very unique and very decolonized in this colonized world, world where it's all just about like productivity and go, go, go and capitalism and, and produce, produce, make money, make money burn yourself out, like do anything. And, and no matter how much you give and do, it's never enough. It's not like that. And it's so refreshing to see that if a company like that, um, that's in a, I mean, we're not really a company, but like a larger, you know, publicly funded, um, I don't want to call it corporate, but do you know what I mean? Like if an organization can, um, operate in a decolonized more indigenous way it just gives me it gives me so much hope for what's possible and that's why I carry so much hope too about what's possible for the coaching industry because I truly believe we can decolonize our ways and there's so many ways that we can do this um where we can actively decolonize which again I go into in detail in the round table so definitely 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 purchase that and watch it listen to it ASAP if you have a coaching business like that is a must watch must listen but for example one of the things is like how we sit in circle uh instead of like 
one person's up on this throne and they're the authority figure and that's that. And that's a very colonial way of thinking and being and operating, whereas um, in indigenous communities and most, I would say, BIPOC communities, it's all, it's community oriented. It's a circle. It's everyone contributes equally and everyone is, everyone's opinion is valued. Everyone's voice is valued. It's not this like authoritarian approach that we see all the time and we see it show up so much in the coaching industry where even they call them masterminds, right? And you, you guys know, I kind of took issue with this word a long time ago, they call them masterminds. And the, a mastermind is literally bringing a bunch of minds together because more minds are better than one. But what actually happens in what, what is called masterminds is one person is, it's just another way of saying group coaching. It's a fancier way of saying group coaching. One person is still the go-to mentor, the go-to expert that people get to work with as a cheaper way than working one-on-one, although they still charge most of them like four figures a month um, or five figures, some of them, or six figures, some of them. And they can be very pricey still. And it's a bunch of people on a call and one coach answering the question. One coach is the authority. One coach is the expert. And then there's sometimes a group chat. And yeah, and the group chat is where it's more of a true mastermind. Like people can kind of feed off each other and give each other their opinions. But why can't we make things more like a circle? Why can't we do like a talking um, feather or talking stick situation is something I taught at my in-person circle the other day where you literally hold the talking feather. And when you're, you know, when you're holding it, it's your turn to speak. And then you pass it on and the next person shares and everyone listens to one another and isn't just like anxious about having to jump in so that they can get their question asked, that they can make their time and money worth it, um, which is the pressure we all feel a lot of times in these mastermind containers where the call is only 60 minutes and there's 20 women on the call and you have to like fight for time to get your questions answered and you have to just speak, like jump in, unmute yourself, raise your hand, whatever, Instead of knowing calmly, like, okay, it's a circle. Everyone's going to get their time to share. And time is a colonial construct anyway. So if we go over time, we go over time. Like, why can't we chill? There are so many coaches that set these strict boundaries around their time. And they, it's taught that, like, you have to charge thousands of dollars for one hour of your time because your time is so valuable and you don't get that back. And boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. And I think it goes too far when it comes to boundaries. Like... I have been talking a lot, but not, I guess, not on the podcast because I haven't filled you guys in in so long. That's why I have so much to say. Um, But I've been talking a lot about how, first of all, I took a break from mentoring after that very, very toxic mentor. Um, And I just wanted to like find my own voice again and be with my own intuition again. And, um, And then I did join a mastermind, a business mastermind. And that's where I learned a lot of the, I saw a lot of the ways in which we need to um, heal some things. I had some experiences that were like, oh, okay, yes, we need to do better. Uh, and the industry as a whole isn't like totally doing it for me anymore. I started to really wake up to um, a lot of things happening and not not specifically like because that mentor was so bad or did anything in particular, like, there was things, but 
it's such common things that all of my mentors have always done to me that I just could no longer like I, I can no longer unsee it and I can no longer handle it and I can no longer like I will no longer purchase from white women who are just they're not racist at all definitely not they have big hearts but they're not speaking at all about this this pain that I finally am acknowledging and it's been so healing and I can't unsee it but I will I will not join another space where the coach is not like not calling us in by name even not acknowledging that we even exist and if we do want to join the program yeah they're not going to be outwardly racist but they are not going to know how to hold space for my very real racial pain the identity complex um, the traumas, the racism, the real barriers that still exist. Like I said, I work in research. I, I see statistics that I can't unsee. It's real. It's real. And you can't keep gaslighting people and saying, oh, just, you know, it's all up to you. Again, that toxic individualism, just tap into your power. I can't unsee this stuff. And I literally cannot and will not bring myself to work with another white mentor unless they're going to have decolonization at the center of their business. And I see them proving themselves over time, like actively doing their work, which again, how do you do the work? It's all laid out for you in the round table. It's, it's all there step by step. <sighs> anyway, I dig I digress again. Um, I started ranting, but what was I saying? Oh yeah. So I took a break from, <laughs> uh, then after the last mastermind I joined, I took another break because a, I wanted a break from payments and I wanted to give my um, credit cards, a freaking chance to breathe, right? We can get so sucked into that loop of like, there's so much messaging out there. It's like, you have to constantly be in the room with people who get it. You have to stay mentored. You have to go first. You have to quantum leap. You have to bet on yourself, da, da, da. And I believe in, in definitely the power of being with people who get it because after my break, I just, I felt for a long time that I knew I wanted to work with Asha Frost who I hope to have on the podcast um, soon. I did have her on my Instagram and meant to put it onto the podcast, but didn't get around to it. But I want to see if she'll sit down and do a full podcast with me because uh, like, oh my gosh, this is what it looks like to work with someone who gets it. And we see that messaging all the time, be in the room with people who get it, meaning like other entrepreneurs who are also doing crazy things and paying insane amounts to be (laughs) in programs and doing what most people would think is crazy and it's it's almost like a anyway it's a very weird world but being I knew for a long time after reading Asha's book um, she has an international best-selling book called you are the medicine she talks so much specifically about the pain that colonization has caused the trauma that lives in our bones in our DNA and just reading I'm like I know this woman gets me on a deep, deep, deep level. And, you know, of course, because we have the same cultural experiences, right? And I do believe you can work with mentors that have different lived experience, but they have to know how to hold space for someone with a different lived experience. And they have to know how to meet you with compassion and curiosity and not just like, gaslighting and glossing over because of their own discomfort they have to be really really willing to seriously also be doing their decolonization work because decolonization is for all of us to do we all need to heal from white supremacy culture it's hurting us all it's this perfectionism it's this never enoughness it's this go 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 it's capitalism and we're telling you like 
indigenous people, black, brown, people of color, our communities have had the know-how. We have the keys to living in community, to living in harmony with the land, to living in peace. Um, And it's being trampled over by this colonial way that thinks it's the best way. And we're seeing that show up in the coaching industry. But anyway, I knew for a long time that I wanted to work with Asha. And then this fall, she launched a group program. And I just knew, I knew that I needed to be a part of it. And um, I am now working with her for three months. And it has been only a month and a bit so far. And I'm already, I'm, I've, like, I don't even have words. I'm speechless. So much deep, deep, deep healing has happened and transformation and whew, just stuff that no other program has ever, ever, ever been able to help me acknowledge and work through. And that's what it feels like being with someone who gets it. And yeah, it's just been totally game changing and eye opening and seeing the way she operates too in a very decolonized way is so beautiful and like her calls you know our calls are often more than an hour long they're just whatever they are like until we all share and until we all get to be held and seen like it's not the same um she still has boundaries and she does it in such a beautiful way but like everyone just we respect them because she gives so much when she's with us and she holds us so deeply and we don't even have a group chat in between calls. We just have a Facebook group. Um, and I actually find it beautiful because it gives us our own time and space to actually integrate instead of worrying about like, oh, I got I to gotta answer the group chat. I got to check the group chat, um, respond to someone else. You really get to focus on your own journey. But then the Facebook group's there for in between calls when you want to share or you want to question. And people are very active in there, which is really nice. So that's been interesting seeing how she operates. Um but on a personal level, ooh, the healing. Okay. So now we come to the healing. 45 minutes into this episode, I'm finally going to tell you about the healing, the inner healing I've been doing. Good grief. This is what happens when I don't record a solo episode for so long. Um, and I also wanted to say it's funny that I keep referring to, I keep saying that I'm new to this work, but like if I really look at my, <laughs> if I really look, like I've had, com- I've had conversations on, this podcast for a long time um, with women of color, with people in the formerly called, right, formerly called people of color, BIPOC, people of the global majority on this podcast, specifically to talk about race, to talk about racism in the coaching industry. I had a video come up on my um, Facebook memories from 2020, where I was talking about race. And it was because you know, it was inspired by the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter conversation that started because it apparently became news to everybody that racism exists in America and Canada <laughs> in 2020. Like that became news for some reason, um, which I'm thankful because there's a lot more conversations. Like finally, people are seeming to listen a little bit more to the work that people have been doing for ages. Like people have been writing anti-racism books and marching and speaking and screaming about these issues for years and years and years and it feels like people are just now starting to listen and I was you know kind of in 2020 more inspired and um 
emboldened, I guess, to start speaking out as well. And to say that the silence of my white friends when I would share about indigenous um, issues that were happening and them, there's only like the same two white friends who would like reshare my stuff or even like it um, or share the same issues on their page. Like it was the silence that was so heartbreaking from our so-called friends and I said in that video like I refuse to be that silence for my black brothers and sisters because I know how painful that silence is right and it is it's the white voices um, and I also acknowledge that I have white privilege because I'm half white and I'm white passing it is the white voices it's the people with the privilege that are going to create change so that's why your silence is so harmful because you're the voices that are going to change things. Unfortunately, if they w- if things were to be different, they would have been different by now. But the people who are sitting at the top, which is, you know, at the very top of the food chain is white men. They're not going to change things. If they wanted to, they would have by now. But who's holding them up at the top? Who's keeping them there? It is, um, is white women. And that's something that's so beautifully explained in the book, White Women, which I hope everyone reads. Um, Syra Rao is going to be on the podcast very soon and on my Instagram she's one of the authors and Regina Jackson her and Regina Jackson wrote this book called White Women everything you already know about your own racism and how to do better and we really do we need to do so much better so anyway it's interesting and I think it's colonization that makes me keep saying I'm new to this <laughs> I've been working through a lot of imposter syndrome and Asha has been amazing at helping me and helping all of us in our group um, through this. Um, But yeah, I have these voices that are like, oh, you just got here. Like other people have formal education in this. Like other people went to school for this. Like, you know, social sciences and um, literally have like university degrees in in justice and, and liberation and things like this. But, and honestly, a part of me is like looking at going back and taking a course or something on that because I just think it would be I love learning (laughs) I do love learning but it's also very colonial of me to be like oh I need a certificate like if it's not from you know what I mean um very colonial created institution where that type of education is valued but your intuitive um spiritual insight is not like Asha was saying too she's like I get a ton of information in my dreams and um that's not valued in today's society, but back in the day in our communities that would, I would have been like highly revered as a seer and as a, as a person who receives this, all this wisdom, but it's not seen as valid in, in today's colonized world. Anyway, but when I look back, I'm like, oh, <laughs> and people point out to me, they're like, uh, is it that new though? Cause like, I remember you doing a speech on residential schools. And I remember your video on racism and I remember all the interviews you had interviewing people because I love, I've just always loved empowering people of the global majority, especially because we're so underrepresented in this industry, in the personal development, wellness, self-help coaching industry, so, so, so underrepresented and representation really does matter. So yeah, it's always been a passion of mine and it just kind of clicked um, after my last mastermind that like, yeah, this is something I actually want to help white women do better, um, as well as my work working directly with and people of the global majority. Um, I guess it officially started in February of this year, 2022, 
when I gave a speech um, for Queen's University, I gave a guest lecture on decolonizing wealth and success for their business program. And it was very well received. And I'm actually going, I'm invited back this month. I'm going to be giving another talk again. And um, yeah, same thing. But I, I'm going to make a lot of adjustments to the one that I gave earlier this year. As as I've learned more, as I've grown more, as I've been doing more of my own work to unlearn and to learn and relearn. But it's it's a lifelong journey. I'm always going to be learning. You're always going to be learning. That's the thing some people don't realize is they think they could just take one anti-racism course or um, maybe like watch my roundtable event or work with me for a couple months and that's it. It's not. It's a lifetime journey, but it's one that's going to save us all, save our earth, save the way we operate, save our sanity. Like it's so important that we all untangle from this very, very traumatizing culture and climate that we currently live in so asha and my ancestors have really been helping me helping me um with this internal conflict so my actually two different people asha and my um new therapist who's also an indigenous woman from the west coast both of them separately told me that the inflammation in my stomach which is like permanently bloated all the time i'm always bloated no matter what i'm i'm gluten-free usually i eat dairy-free i've tried all kinds of like really restrictive diets and things and i've had all of these tests done nobody can figure it out and both of them separately were like oh yeah there's a big fire in there because your ancestors are at war like your bloodlines are at war with each other and i was just like "Ooh, (laughs) that makes so much sense even as i um asha pointed out gently like even as i'm doing this work on the outside and my mind is saying yes i want reconciliation i see both sides i have compassion for the white women and obviously i want to advocate for you know for the indigenous my indigenous people and my indigenous side but on the inside um it's like my body wasn't there it wasn't on the same page and it was there's so much like internalized um oppression and internalized there was a war going on literally in my body in my cells and actually my elders at the retreat last week too they validated that too they were like yep the cells absolutely hold the trauma um and like they even talked again about the body keeps the score that's a famous book and yeah so (laughs) that's what i've been working is healing that internal fire and deciding that that fire that was living in my stomach and wreaking havoc on my body it doesn't get to live in my body anymore it gets to live in my medicine it gets to live in my action it gets to live in my work it gets to live outside of me and it gets to be the fire that fuels me not the fire that attacks my own body but i had to do a lot of healing first as i really birthed this medicine and truly like i had one session with asha where we worked on this and also i shouldn't say because it didn't just happen in one session. I also meet with my ancestors a lot on my own meditation time and integration time. But one really powerful session for me was where we 
kind of like did a role play and <laughs> I am going to have to ask Asha if I can share all of this. I'm sure she won't mind because it's like me telling about my session, but um, I will ask her permission. But she was like, okay, I'll play the role of the Mohawk ancestors and you play the role of the European ancestors. Like what's happening? She was, at first she was like, what's happening in your body? What does it feel like? What's going on? And I was like, there's just so much fighting. Like they're just fighting each other and um, it hurts. And so she, she was like, okay, I'll be the Mohawk ancestors and you be the European ancestors. And, and she was like, who's winning? No, at first she was like, who's winning the fight? Like what's, who's dominating? What's happening? And I was like, oh, I just started crying. And I was like, the Europeans are dominating and the Mohawks are just crying. Like they're like, stop. We don't want to fight. We're, we just want peace. Like we are peaceful people and we don't believe in violence and fighting. Like, why do we have to fight each other? We can all share. We can all live together in harmony. We know how to do this and we know how to take care of each other. We know how to take care of the land. But the Europeans are just dominating and they're just fighting. And we were just saying stop. And I was just like sobbing at this point. And she was like, okay, let me play the role of the Mohawks. And she's like, European ancestors, like, why are you, why are you fighting? Why are you being so violent? And I was like, oh, I don't want to, like, immediately I noticed my own bias, right? Because I always call upon my Mohawk ancestors. I always work with my indigenous lineage, but I never really want to connect with my European ancestors because I have so much bitterness and anger and sadness for the things that they've done to my Mohawk ancestors, right? And I know a lot of you who have mixed ancestry, you feel this, you feel this deeply. Um, so I was like, um, but she asked, so I was, res I was like, oh no, I don't want to play the Europeans. Like I was already resistant. So I was like, oh, hello, my own hatred. Um, so it makes sense that the body was attacking itself, right? This is literally how autoimmunes happen. So anyway, she said she asked, "Why are you being violent?" And I said, "That's all. That's all we know. That's what we were taught." And she said, "But is violence the answer? Is violence what solves things?" And I was like, "Well, that's all we know. Like that's what our, you know, that's what our ancestors did." And she was just like, "Why? Why? Why?" And I said, "Because we're scared." And it was like, oh, <laughs> because we're scared. It's scarcity. We're scared. We're insecure. We don't want to lose. And she said, what, what will happen? And I said, we'll lose control. We'll lose power. We'll be in danger. And she said, is violence always the way that things were solved? And I said, well, yeah, as far as we know, like you fight for your country. You fight for your people. You fight to have freedom. That's what you do. And she said, well, what about... The ancestors go way, 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 way back. What about those ancestors? And I went way, 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 way back. And I said, oh, no, they didn't use violence. Like way, 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 way back. Like first people on the earth. And she said, well, how do they operate? And I said, they just live to serve God. And she said, well, what does living to serve God look like? And I said, loving each other and loving the land and taking care of the land and taking care of each other as brothers and sisters and beings of the same creator. And it was like, wow, that's the, that, so uh, if you go way back, their ways of being, the, the European ancestors, their ways of being were the same. It's the same 
principles, the same ways of living and being that we we live in one with each other. We we love each other. We love Creator God, and we help each other. We all we learn. We see that we have unique strengths and things we can bring to the table, and we work together. And so, with that in mind, she had me then like line up all of my ancestors. And at first, the Mohawks were just staying together with the Mohawks and the Europeans were sticking together with the Europeans. They weren't too sure about each other. This is all happening like in a, in a, I guess kind of like a, a journey, right? So it's all happening on a spiritual level. Like, I don't want to say in my head, but on a spiritual level, but I can kind of see it and feel it. And she was like, have them stand around a fire together and you might have to put them like, Mohawk European Mohawk European you might have to like force them to stand in between each other so I did and then um just that image of them standing hand in hand and learning that we're not so scary after all and like we have more in common than we think and and then forcing them to stand like hand in hand around this fire was so just oh so profound so healing so beautiful and and then she asked me, how are you going to hold this new medicine, this reweaving? And I was like, um, I'm going to hold it like it's a precious, like newborn baby because it's really sacred and it's really special. And so that's what I did. And that's why I haven't shared it with you until now. And that's what has helped me truly be sh- showing up in the ways that I've been showing up um, to really see reconciliation in the coaching industry and in the world and it comes from this reweaving and this healing for me on the inner world first healing with my own ancestors first healing my own internal war and conflict first and i truly believe that mantra like my inner world creates my outer world so that's what i've been repeating and constantly calling on both my european and my indigenous ancestors to be with me and to help me birth this medicine and this work And so, yeah, there was that amazing, crazy, life-changing session in one session. Shout out, Asha Frost. You're amazing. And then um, also the integration work of constantly showing up to be in ceremony with those ancestors to to thank them. I need to do a feast. I really need to do a feast. I haven't done one um, for them, to feed them, to give back to them. The work that I do is for them, to honor them. Like, I am the one that they prayed for. And I actually had another journey the other day where we were um, with Asha, guided by Asha. We were guided back to meet our ancestors and they had like an altar for us to honor, uh, like to honor me, right? And that brought me to such tears too. And they were even more like hugging each other and standing hand in hand around this fire. And I was like, what? you're all getting along like what's happening here and they were like yes and it's because of you and we want to honor you and thank you so much for bringing us together and that was just huge that that was extremely emotional um but to get to share that so this was on one of the group calls to get to share that experience with the other women on the call um the other femme on the call i should say was so beautiful and that's the power we have in community wellness and community healing um but one that goes beyond like what are your individual mindset beliefs because i don't like i've said this for a long time now i don't think 
just the mindset is the answer. Like, yep, a positive mind matters. It's even part of, um, in Mohawk culture, we have like this, excuse me, this law of peace. Um, and we have these three, the three main governing kind of um, laws. And one is peace, one is inner strength, and one is good mind, having a good mind, good-mindedness. And so we, as indigenous, indigenous people, have always recognized the importance of a good mindset and of being grateful and of seeing, posit- seeing the positive. But the industry has kind of flipped that and made it into a whole lot of like trying to get us to see the positive side of gen- like <laughs> genocide. Like <laughs> you killed us, you oppressed us, you harmed us, you abused us, you continue to abuse us, murder us. And we're supposed to see the bright side. Like you can't take that wisdom and use it to cover up your own horrific ongoing acts of violence, right? And that's what we see happening. But it is important to have a good mindset. Um, But I don't think mindset is all that matters. I think that there's so much more that has to happen on a body level. Your body has to be on board, right? Like me with my healing of my cells, the body really does keep the score. It does hold trauma. I know this because every time I watch any type of news coverage on the residential school survivors or another school where there's children's remains being found, like my body starts to sweat and my heart races and I shake and I feel the pain in my bones, even though I'm not a firsthand survivor nor is my dad, nor is even my grandparents that I know of, but yet it's in my, it's clearly in my DNA, it's in my bones, I feel it, the body doesn't lie. So that's why I always say like we need body, spirit, mind, and emotion, um, which can also, you know, come back to our, the medicine wheel, which isn't ours as Mohawk people, but um, we borrow it, we use it a lot because it's also a great worldview, a great life view of the four directions, the four elements, and those four elements that I just mentioned of well-being. Um, And then I think we can mix that too with the principles of, um, with the laws of peace. Peace, good-mindedness, and inner strength, so important in our healing for all of us. Um, And to do this in community is so powerful. To heal in ways where, again, we're going beyond What's your mindset and your individual belief? Like I literally studied NLP coaching, which is where you only work with the subconscious mind and you're trying to reprogram individuals' minds to change their beliefs, to change their things. And you can't just work at the mindset level and it can't just be about individuals. That's toxic individualism. So going forward, I don't want to be part of any container that focuses on that toxic individualism and just feeds into very traumatic white supremacy culture and I also don't want to facilitate any programs like that it's it's got to be centered in decolonization it's got to be centered in unraveling and undoing these toxic toxic individualistic capitalistic colonial ways of being um, and that's going to attract to whether whether I decide to work in containers with white and global majority people or have containers just for global majority it's going to attract people who want to do that work and that's who I want to work with and that's who I want to work with in my um, decolonization consulting packages too which I have now available I'll put all of the info in um, 
in the show notes for this episode as well as the link to the round table but i think i've talked enough for this episode we're now at, at an hour and seven minutes so i'll wrap up here but as you can see i've had so much to fill you in on i have more still so maybe i'll do another solo one soon and look out for the next episode coming with Syra rao it's going to be fire it's gonna be live on instagram first and um and then I'll put the recording here for you as well. Thank you so much for listening. If you made it all the way to the end of this very long, long-winded rambling, I hope you enjoyed my stories and my, um, my insights for you today. And let me know. Connect with me on Instagram and I'll, I'll talk to you soon. I love hearing from you. So don't be a stranger. Talk to you soon. So much love and gratitude. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thanks again so much for being here. It really does mean the world. And one way that you can thank me, that you can thank any podcaster, if you get any value from my medicine, from my shares, from anything our guests have shared, the biggest way you can thank a podcaster is by sharing. So take a screenshot, tag me at Emily Ann Brandt on your Instagram stories. I'll be sure to reshare and thank you. And better yet, if you have just a minute, take a minute leave a review or even tap and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It means the world. It helps us reach more people and get this medicine out there. Thank you again for being here. Please hang out with me on Instagram or come join our Facebook group, The Soul's Way. I'll talk to you next time. Love and gratitude.